Good morning. Last week, Glenn introduced our Lenten I Am series by speaking about Jesus' claim to be the bread of life in the context of the miracle of the loaves and fishes and God's provision for us. This week, we're looking at Jesus' proclamation, I am the light of the world. He gave this in the context of his participation in the festival of tabernacles at the temple in Jerusalem. I'll give you a little background. The Feast of Tabernacles was an eight-day festival celebrated in the early autumn during the harvest of the fruit and the vine, of the fruit of the vine and the fruit of the tree. So think olives, grapes, figs. I learned in my small group that figs actually taste good. This was a yearly reminder of the account in Exodus about how God, in partnership with Moses, brought his people out of slavery from Egypt. They were freed, but they were in the wilderness, living in tents or tabernacles, learning how to be God's people for 40 years. Families would celebrate this festival by setting up little tents or booths to eat in, to commemorate God's provision and guidance and presence during their whole sojourn in the wilderness. In addition to his provision of food and water, fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. I'm going to pray again right now and ask God to be here with me and help with the sermon. Lord, I thank you that you are our light. You don't leave us. You show us the way. I pray that your spirit would move through these words and shine light on all of us, in all of us, and through all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Not only did the Festival of Tabernacles commemorate a significant time in the history of Israel, it was meant to be a reminder of greater things to come. I found it extremely challenging to focus on just one of the symbolic elements in a celebration so rich with historic and prophetic and metaphorical imagery. On each day of the festival, the temple priests carried out very specific symbolic ceremonies. Each evening in the court of women, where the temple offerings were made, the priests would climb tall ladders, really tall ladders, carrying large jugs of olive oil up to the top of four giant lampstands. At the top of each of these were four golden bowls, 16 bowls altogether, into which they would pour the olive oil. They would then take discarded priestly undergarments, twisting them together to make 
wicks and set them on fire. The light from those fires lit Jerusalem through and through, creating a blazing beacon in the night. This was meant to represent the presence of God who guided them through the wilderness and that someday the whole world would worship. Those me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus Christ, light of the world, sent by God to rescue us from the darkness of sin and death and the despair they breed. We have our own religious ceremony around the lighting of candles, not grazing, blazing wicks atop four giant temple pillars, but on each of the four Sundays preceding Christmas, we light a candle in the Advent wreath, one for hope, one for peace, one for joy, and one for love. These illuminate God's action in time and history, and they represent our best response to God's action in and for and through us. Waiting and walking in the light of faith, fueled by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. The Christ candle in the center of the wreath is lit on Christmas Eve. It burns at the juncture of prophetic fulfillment, past and future, reminding us that what God has done through Christ, he will complete in Christ. The first gift that God gave the planet was light. Genesis 1, let there be light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be light. Light is life. It is photosynthesis and vitamin D and the light bulb in your closet that helps you find the sweater that matches your outfit which isn't working in our closet right now, that's how I know. Light is fireflies and phosphorescence and the Big Dipper. Imagine being cut off from light. Imagine being blind. Right now, if I asked you to close your eyes and put up to your vehicle in the parking lot, I'm pretty sure there would be chaos. Now, imagine what would happen if I asked you to then drive your vehicle with that blindfold on? That would be bad. <laughs> or imagine being an ancient sailor navigating the seas. In the day, he could see where he was going, what the obstacles were. Was there an enemy fleet lurking over the waves? Where's the coastline? But at night, he would need the stars to track his course. He would need a lighthouse to keep him off hidden shoals. He would need the light to find him, and he would need to find the light. 
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. As he stood beneath those blazing beacons in the temple, Jesus said he was not only the light of Jerusalem, but the light of the whole world. John 1 verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Moses came across a common desert shrub blazing with fire, but it was not consumed. The burning wicks made of discarded priestly undergarments were not consumed. They blazed with a light that shone throughout the entire city, a city set on a hill, by the way. God didn't want us to miss the metaphor, so the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14. John used the Greek word skinu, meaning to pitch a tent or to live in a tent to help us understand. In Exodus 25.8, God told Moses to have the people make me a sanctuary that I might dwell in their midst. The first sanctuary was a tent. The temple in Jerusalem was simply that same tent made much more elaborately to inspire reverence and awe. And most people could only get there a couple of times a year to express their devotion. But Jesus was the word of God right in the neighborhood. Here is where he pitched his tent. He moved in with us. Once upon a time, a long time ago, when we were newly married, Glenn and I moved in with Kathy. She was a member of this church. Kathy was a young mother who was blind, and I had taken a job as her assistant. Among other, thing, other duties, I was trained to help her manage her medications and monitor her health. She had lost her sight and kidney function due to complications from diabetes. I was also to help guide her on her outings. But I did not then, nor do I now, know my right from my left. Nor am I good at giving directions. There were some serious mishaps. I was not, for Kathy, what you might call the brightest star in the universe. And I really felt that. I felt my inadequacy. This is not meant as a comparison between me and Moses, but I wonder if Moses felt pretty dim and useless too, wandering around in the desert, a shepherd, quite a fall from his days as prince of Egypt before he went and messed up his life. But one day, he saw a light on the Mount of Horeb. He saw a simple, ordinary bush blazing with the glory of God. The bush burned but it was not consumed. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. 
And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God said, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am to you. The light of God continued to guide Moses and his people out of slavery, out of danger, right through the wilderness. The light was so crucial to them that they made a special tent for it for God, where Moses could go meet with God for instructions, for light. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. This tent of meeting became so important that David decided to make it permanent, making a home for it in his home city, making it the center of his kingdom. His son, Solomon, built the first temple, a lighthouse of sorts. Moses, David, Solomon, they burned brightly. They blazed and burned and faded into the night. They didn't always know their right from their left. There were some serious mishaps along the way. and People were hurt. One time, in a hurry to help Kathy out of her car, I slammed the door on her fingers. One time, in a hurry to fill her syringe with insulin, it slipped from the vial, and I caught it, injecting myself quite unexpectedly. And Kathy, who was blind, had to help me preventing me from going into shock by keeping me awake, feeding me orange juice and protein. Kathy couldn't see, but she didn't walk in darkness. She was a tabernacle full of the light of Christ, and she shone that light on my path. She became one of my early mentors as we shared our lives and our space with one another. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Sometimes we feel unworthy. And really, we are dust. The Bible cautions us to remember that, to remind us not to become arrogant. But we're dust that has been blessed, created in the image of God, 
stamped with his beauty. Priestly undergarments that were sewn with excellence, made for a very specific purpose, and not meant to be thrown out, even when worn out or soiled or torn. In my case, a 21, newly married and still a full-time college student, I was trying to figure out how to help care for Kathy's children, trying to figure out how to be a wife, trying to figure out how to graduate on time, trying to figure out my right and my, from my left, which I never did do. But just because I wasn't a perfect helper doesn't, didn't mean I was no use to Kathy because I lived with her. I was there the morning she began to experience the first signs of peritonitis. Glenn and I were able, with the help of a police escort, to get her from Potsdam to Syracuse for life-saving treatment. I was able, because Glenn and I lived in her house, to see the things that might literally trip her up, and I could clear them out of her way. I was there to assist with meal preparation and to help with multiple tasks that required good vision. Sometimes I felt like a failure, but even I could shine a light for Kathy. And maybe this is something somebody needs to hear. Maybe you've been feeling like a failure. Maybe you've made some mistakes, but you can still shine in the darkness when you host the light of the world. Just because Moses and David and Solomon weren't perfect doesn't mean they don't still shine a light for the rest of us. They were like the trail of light reflecting on the waves that guides your eyes to the light from the lighthouse, which is the true light that has come into the world. Throughout history, the people of God have been part of that beautiful path. The Bible says that the God of this age has blinded us, people created in the image of God, causing us to be blind to God's beauty in ourselves and in each other. But I want to remind you that when Jesus stood and proclaimed that he was the light of the world, the flames that lit the night around him came from a conduit of cast-off priestly undergarments. <laughs> Exodus 28 um, explains how they were to be made. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity, to give him dignity and honor. Make linen un undergarments as a covering for the body, reaching from the waist to the thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place. Those priestly undergarments were created to give the priests dignity, to set them apart for a specific role. Like any underwear, they were not meant to be seen, yet they were just as important as the more ornate outer garments the priests wore. And they did not start out used. They started out 
very good, just as we do. People made in God's image meant to be accorded dignity, made by the master craftsman. But over time and through circumstances, the priestly undergarments became used and needed to be discarded. Rather than throw them out, they were repurposed to become blazing beacons of light for all nations during the Festival of Tabernacles. Wicked, good underpants. God wastes nothing. The things we'd rather not expose, our failures and shame, can be repurposed to become a beacon of light for somebody else if we will allow God to saturate us with his spirit and his love. Here's what Jesus told us, his church, his tabernacle. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In our Advent celebration, on Christmas Eve, we celebrate and symbolize those words of Jesus with the lighting of the candles of each of the members of the congregation until the entire sanctuary is filled with light. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the light of the world. As I invite up the worship team, I want to invite you to do a little bit of praying. There are going to be a few prompts up on the screen, but I want you to pray about these things. Is there yet a corner in your life where you have not yet seen the light of Christ? This is an opportunity to open up that place to Jesus. You may want to pray for someone you know who's stumbling in darkness without the light of Christ. Maybe you have a question or a dilemma and you need God's guidance. This is a time for not valued by yourself or by others. This is a good time to bring those feelings into the light and let Jesus tell you the truth about how much you are worth to God.